Okay, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. Just a couple of quick announcements before we begin. First, I hope everybody had a good weekend. And secondly, this show is always available for free download at Launchpad 1. There's a link to that in the description box. You can download the audio version as a pure podcast, take it on the go anywhere and anyhow. If you would like to download the video version, you can use YouTube Premium. That one will give you the images. But YouTube Premium is something you have to pay for, and Launchpad 1 is free. It's under the same name, Black Box Online Radio. But the easiest way to find it is to go into the description box and click on the link. And there is always the buymeacoffee.com page. If you would like to make a contribution to help support these efforts, anything is appreciated. And all people who contribute will get a shout-out on Zodiac Monday. So, oh, I should also point out that everything is being put into work, and there are going to be some very big changes with um, Black Box Online Radio in the near future, thanks to people who have contributed, especially for um, the new equipment that will be involved with the show and the new presentation, as well as just using um, the funds for purchasing true crime books to talk to you guys about. So I I do thank everyone who has contributed in the past. And the final announcement is that AstroPsych 400, the other YouTube channel that I work with, is up and running. And I've been doing the podcast for sleep on the weekends. Some people were saying that they use this program, Black Box Online Radio, as a way to fall asleep at night. And I thought, why not do a segment that is specifically designed to help people fall asleep? And you can get that on the YouTube channel AstroPsych 400. And there should be an episode coming out on the weekends for the time being, although Astrocyte 400 does seem to uh, come and go, but that's because I'm always trying to read about stuff in the true crime world to share with you guys. Last week on the Zodiac Killer News Report, I was talking about a disagreement and feud and dispute that was going on between two Zodiac Killer sleuths, Tom Void of Zodiac Killer.com and Drew Beeson, who is the host of the Zodcast and the author of Sighting In on the Zodiac Killer. If you'd like to hear all of my comments, you can um, go to the Zodiac Killer News Report from last week on um, June 27th of 2022, and there there is a playlist for these. But to keep some things short, Tom Voigt responded to a particular comment that I made. I simply pointed out two things that he had written out on his YouTube channel in the comments section. In one part of it, he said that the... There were two suspects that have been examined via DNA, Arthur Lee Allen, perhaps the most famous Zodiac Killer suspect, and Donald Lee Cheney, who is the suspect of Drew Beeson, whom I just mentioned, and that both of these men had DNA that did not match what the authorities have on file. But in the same comment thread, the same discussion thread, Tom Voigt told somebody that obtaining the Zodiac Killer's DNA was still a work in progress. And my response was, well, how on earth can both of these things coincide? How can somebody be eliminated because of DNA, but still say that obtaining the Zodiac Killer's DNA is a work in progress? And Tom Voigt wrote back to Black Box Online Radio. Anybody can write this show at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com, and just as he did. And he said that on a few occasions over the last 20 to 25 years, Genetic material has been obtained from different confirmed Zodiac correspondences, most recently late last year. None of it matches each other. So far, no match whatsoever has been found. Does any of that genetic material belong to the Zodiac? 
Nobody knows, but we do know that none of it matches Don Cheney. Don Cheney also does not match with regards to the Zodiac's handwriting, as well as the fingerprints and the palm prints that might belong to the Zodiac. All of the above also applies to Arthur Lee Allen as well. So you can um, take that for what you will, and I, I think that a lot of you would probably be raising the immediate question of, well, which letters did they get the DNA from? And I'm going to go through uh, some of these sources that are available, and Tom Point even pointed me in a few directions to find those, and I'll be talking about that in the future, although that will take a little bit more time. But I think other people will be wondering, what exactly does it mean that there is DNA, but there is not a complete set of DNA? How on earth does this work? I think that the best interpretation of this is that they've extracted DNA from multiple Zodiac items, and none of it matches each other, meaning that every sample of DNA that has been extracted belongs to a different person, or it's simply different. But they're able to compare Arthur Lee Allen's DNA to what was found, and none of it was his. They were able to compare Don Cheney's DNA to what was found, and none of it was his. Now, um, I probably need to say this for the bazillionth time, but there's another Zodiac researcher out there named Mike Rodelli, who is the author of In the Shadow of Mount Diablo and the Hunt for Zodiac, who simply says that they will not find the Zodiac killer's DNA based on any method that they have now, because the killer didn't leave any behind. He most likely did not lick the stamps or the envelopes that were used in the mailing of the letters to uh, the press and to... Um, well, anywhere that the Zodiac chose to send them, because he most likely sealed the letters using water and a small sponge. Maybe he was even using his dominant hand to write the letters, but was holding the paper with a hand that was covered in a glove, based on how methodical the Zodiac was. That doesn't seem out of, out of the ordinary. And also, I think it might have been Andrew Gray in the comments section who talked about how could the Zodiac have been writing letters, wearing some type of light glove to begin with? Maybe not in 1974, but the Zodiac would have known about fingerprints. Absolutely, fingerprinting existed in 1969 and 1970, when these were mailed. So who's to say at all when the Zodiac is pressing the stamp or sealing the envelope that he was touching it with his bare hands at all. I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, the authorities are always going to know more than I do. But I think that that's where we stand on the DNA for now. DNA has indeed been extracted from the Zodiac letters, but every single sample has come from a different person, and the people who have been, who've had their DNA tested are getting matched against this um, the wide array of DNA samples and it has never matched any suspect. I mean, if you had two Zodiac letters, and they extract a little bit of DNA here and a little bit of DNA there, and it seems like, oh, hey, look, we found a patch. Okay, that would be most likely the Zodiac killer, unless some very, very unlucky mailman just happened to have um, been carrying letters to the same place, heaven forbid. But no, that would most likely be from the the killer, especially if it came from the inside of the envelope, like the letter itself, as opposed to the outer edge of the envelope or the stamp. But I think you can get the idea. Multiple samples, and it's never matched a suspect. Now, last week on the channel, I was sharing something from 
Sphere the Cube, also known as Sphery, who proposed a solution to the Z18 code, and we'll hear more from Sphery in just a second. But I didn't mean to talk about the DNA for that long because I wanted to get to a particular Zodiac challenge question that Sphery got me thinking about. And I often begin these news reports with a challenge question, but this one is Zodiac-related. Sometimes I'll just ask you guys anything under the sun or in the darkness. Here is a Zodiac challenge question for you. Do you believe the Zodiac Killer was a Catholic? Why on earth would I be asking this? Well, Sphiri got me thinking because, number one, the Zodiac seems to talk about certain religious components, or definitely things that would be somewhat familiar in the Catholic Church, and if you'd like to hear Sphiri's solution to the Z18 code, you can listen to last week's episode, but I'll tell you that it involves pig Latin, and also Sphiri points out that the Zodiac wrote the Exorcist letter in 1974, and exorcism is definitely something of the Catholic tradition, but the Zodiac Killer was a serial killer who wrote letters taunting the police and the media and terrorizing the public. The Zodiac would often misspell words, and one of them was Christmas. And the way that the Zodiac would spell it would be writing it Christ Mass. And what do you make of that Catholic Mass, right? Right? And even the fact that the Zodiac symbol is actually a cross. So was the Zodiac Killer raised Catholic? And um, I don't mean to go off on a giant spiel about the word Christmas. However, out of all the Zodiac misspellings, I think spelling that Christ Mass is perhaps the most intentional, because I don't think that one was done on accident. Some of them might have been and there are all types of theories out there. Why was the Zodiac Killer misspelling words? Some people are saying, well, he had ADD. Some people are saying that, well, he had dyslexia and that they are genuine. And, you know, it's possible that this person did misspell words frequently in his life. Because when I write down little notes for Black Box Online Radio, like when I, those timestamps that you see on the Zodiac Killer News Report, I write those down by hand and then I type it out for the uh, comment here on the um, quick reference, I would misspell the words so many times and I would get the letters backwards. And a lot of people do this because their brain is going faster than they have the ability to write. And that could be that this person misspelled words frequently, but I most likely believe that Christmas spelled Christ Mass is an intentional misspelling, that this is also just somebody who's trying to be weird and gets off on deviant behavior and being bizarre. And in regards to the question, was the Zodiac Killer a Catholic? I think it, I'm almost certainly, well, I mean, I don't think, I am certainly asking you guys, was the Zodiac raised a Catholic? I personally believe that the Zodiac was an atheist, or that he just didn't have any real spirituality other than worshipping himself or his own ego. Maybe he would have fit into New Age Luciferian would be a way to categorize him. But um, I don't think the, the Zodiac had any real spiritual or religious practice that he actually cared about. He might have put on the facade the way that some serial killers do and pretend to be a churchgoer. But 
everything in the Zodiac letters suggests that he is someone who is simply full of himself, and I always have to go back to Michael Cole, author of the Zodiac Revisited Trilogy, when he talks about how the Zodiac even says to, um, to uh, use Mount Diablo as like a central point, and you have to put the radiant angles on top of Mount Diablo. It's like the Zodiac wants to be on top of Devil's Mountain. He wants to be even above the Devil, so that whole Luciferian New Age stuff, worshipping the ego, and so on. I mean, that's what New Age Luciferianism is, worshipping the ego, but the Zodiac wants to be bigger than that. He wants to be above the concept of Lucifer, above El Diablo. So this guy is just simply full of himself. And it's an important question, because the Zodiac Killer not only wrote in letters and committed murders, he made phone calls, he wrote a message on a car door, and the Zodiac Killer was also someone who wrote ciphers, like the puzzles and cryptograms. And in the first one, the 408 cipher that was de decoded by Don and Betty Hardin, it says, I like killing people because it's so much fun, it's even more fun than hunting wild game in the forest, because man is the most dangerous animal of all. And then it says, when I die, I'll be reborn in paradise, and those whom I have killed will be my slaves. That has been traced back to a belief of Filipino origin, that it's from Filipino folklore, although that's never been 100% certified, but they were talking about this back in 1969. And another competing theory is that the Zodiac Killer was copying a belief from ancient Egypt that when the Pharaoh would die, he would be reborn in the afterlife, and he would be with his slaves. But both of those are spiritual and religious traditions, and people are like, well, did the Zodiac actually believe that? And then Dr. Todd Grande's assessment of this was that the Zodiac was either delusional or trying to make people think that he was delusional. And I definitely think it's the latter. I absolutely do not think the Zodiac killer or the person who wrote that letter actually thought that he was going to die and be reborn in paradise and those whom he had killed will be his slaves. And did he actually think it was going to happen? I, I personally think that he just made that up again to be weird, to be taunting, to make people feel awkward and uneasy, because that's what the Zodiac is doing. And so this has been said so many times. The Zodiac killer was not only a serial killer. He was a domestic terrorist. But um, there, is, um, there are some reasons to explore the concept of the Zodiac being raised Catholic as opposed to any other religious tradition. As I said, the exorcist, the um, possible Latin connection that I talked about last week, spelling words like Christmas as Christ, Mass. I mean, do these not suggest somebody who was perhaps of the Catholic faith as a kid and then went on to just uh, wreak havoc upon society in their older years? And I would love to read your responses to that down below. Was the Zodiac Killer a Catholic? Now, I would like to get to Siri's uh, newest contribution to the show, and that is this week, talking about the Z32 cipher. Is this a possible solution? I'm just going to read out a message that Sphiri wrote in to blackboxonlineradio at aol.com. I'm grateful for your open nature. Here are a few thoughts. The Zodiac Killer, in my opinion, zigzags. It is not this, it is that. It is not that, it is this. That is to say that his approach to systems is quite deliberate and carries much intent. Mostly he intends to never be caught with his approach. The Z18 that you covered last week. All of it unlocks as a cipher except the thing that everybody is aching to know, his name. 
with his name, he takes special care and overlays system over system. By then, unlocking the cipher, the code, Breaker is left with a new problem of solving the anagram. Except at some level, the Zodiac understands that most will not understand this maneuver. It is off of center, it is off of reason. It is a creative maneuver. He moves off of the line, he zigs, he zags, he takes you off balance. Yet even if the code breaker keeps up by spotting this maneuver, he zags again and switches from the rules of the ciphers and the anagrams to language, and even there it befuddles. It is not French or Italian or Spanish, it is Pig Latin. And with all of this, he evades those who wish to know. His name is Safe and Sound. And um, I, one quick note is, the uh, solution that um, Sphery proposed to the Z18 code was the tip. Hi, I'm Robert, that the Zodiac was revealing his name is Robert. And if not, you realized in your email, who is Robert? He remains anonymous. Most importantly, the Zodiac remains in control. Okay, I was just talking about the 408 cipher, right? I like killing people because it's so much fun. And it goes on for a while. And the final line of it is called the Z18, because it's just this mash of letters that haven't truly been decoded. And Sphiri and I are on the exact same page with that. Anytime you learn something about the Zodiac Killer, there's always a new problem created, just as that, like they solve the 408 cipher, oh, but they didn't decode the final line, and that's just these letters that are in odd places with lots of E's and O's and B's and I's, and it really makes no sense at all. But anyway, um, maybe that's exactly what um, we are both in agreement with. The Zodiac is giving you a little bit of information, but never the full information, and even if Sphere's solution to the Z18 is correct, and it reveals the name Robert. Well, that's just an ordinary English name. Maybe it was Robert Graysmith the whole time. But to get on to the Z32 cipher part, when I looked at the Mount Diablo code, I considered the zigzag and his inevitable gotcha. The solution to the Mount Diablo code concerns radians and inches along the radians. When you see the solution, it seems so simple. Systems classically contain complexity. So we gather great minds to outsmart the outsmarter, and the interpretations grow more and more complex, and obfuscating everyone stagnates. Nothing in the universe is stagnant. Everything is moving all the time. The Zodiac is simple, just not simplistic. I will tell you that in my opinion, he knows what he is doing, and he is laughing about it. So much of the world is made up of binary top-down systems. They push down until they push out to retain their power. He knows this. He under minds this. He causes fear that causes it into himself and into ourselves. He toys with it almost with a joy. Mathematicians would battle it out in history, demolishing each other's egos with their challenges. If they solved a plaguing problem, they would often be in absence of the internet and hide it into an anagram. The Zodiac knew this too. He is playing a game. Go two inches along a straight line, lol. Yet even if this part were solved, there is still the projection of the Z32, and that is just how he hid it in the Z18. The Z18 and the Z32, in my opinion, share some layering quality tricks. I believe this is why we all have been confounded for so long. With the Z18 in the recently proposed example, the Zodiac was using Pig Latin. Zodiac perhaps gave us the real answers, but with the expectation that no one would able would be able to see into his layered systems method and would work inside their rigid structure. 
with futility no matter how sharp. I will share part one of a proposed solution with the group as well as for the Mount Diablo map. I am presenting these in reverse order of parts. First is part two in the Z30 code, Z32 code, and the last is part one, and look how they go together. So, this is going to bring us to something that I'm going to be calling the Moraga, California connection. But yes, these are all observations made by Sphere. And the first part is, okay, it's in Moraga, California. The second row is an anagram. And the third row is the original first 17 characters of the cipher. The final line is DVBOXX of WCCHAPEL. And I'm sure some of you guys are already thinking, well, that must be the word chapel. So the proposed solution is, okay, it's in Moraga, California, DV box of W chapel. Now to add some translation on the part of Siri, okay, it's in Moraga, California, DV box X of W in of W chapel. And the full interpretation, okay, it's in Moraga, California, DEO Valente box across of W Chapel. And um, I think that is also very important to note that the Zodiac Killer wrote the Z32 cipher because he was trying to share the location of a bomb and says that the bomb has been placed there and you have until the fall to dig it up. I've also talked about how this could be in Petaluma, California. But that's, one more time, the full interpretation. Okay, it's in Moraga, California. DEO Valente box across from W Chapel. And um, I think that one of the most um, important points in this is something that Sphere points out by saying that Moraga, California is directly in between Mount Diablo and the San Francisco police station or like the San Francisco Police SFPD's office, and it really is an exact straight line among these three points. The Zodiac says that it concerns radians and inches along the radians. And um, again, I really do appreciate all of Sphere's observations, and I do think that they are pretty good. So, uh, I mean, when I first heard this name, Baraga, California, I was like, what on earth is Moraga, California? Am I even pronouncing that correctly? But then once I saw the graphic that was used to show that these three points are actually in a line, I began to think, you know, Sphere might, might have done it again. And I definitely think Sphere's solution is better than the Z32 um, solution that I proposed most recently, a couple months ago. Now, I understand that this first part of the episode was very technical talking about some some specific things, like linguistic clues or points on a map. Now, I'm going to get to a different segment of this show, and that is running my mouth about things that I shouldn't run my mouth about. And I'm going to try and answer some challenge questions that were proposed by a YouTube user called The Stackanova. And this relates to the question of how many people were involved with the Zodiac crimes. And believe it or not, this isn't on any of my episodes about the group murder theory talking about multiple killers. This is on the episode Zodiac Don Cheney AMA, which came out last year. Now, the Zodiac killer was a serial killer that operated in 1968 and 69. There are five murders that have been 
confirmed and attributed to the Zodiac Killer. How many people did the Zodiac actually murder? Who knows? But, I mean, how many people were involved with these crimes? Who knows again? And a big reason why I used to think that there were multiple perpetrators in the past were that the Zodiac committed the first crime on December 20th of 1968 by murdering David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen at Lake Hermit Road. They were shot to death. The Zodiac then committed the Blue Rock Spring shooting on July 4th of 1969, which saw the murder of Darlene Farron using a different firearm, mind you. The Zodiac used a 22 at Lake Herman Road and a 9mm at, um, at uh, Blue Rock Springs. But then the Zodiac truly deviates from whatever he had started doing by stabbing the victims on September 27th of 1969, carrying a knife, wearing a hooded costume, uh, going out in the daytime instead of the nighttime, wearing the hood, yes, but also carrying pre-cut lengths of rope, and even more, the Zodiac wrote a message on the car door listing the dates of the crimes that he committed. Two weeks after that, Paul Stein, a taxi driver who was murdered in Presidio Heights, was killed by himself. There's no woman present. The Zodiac didn't write a message on the car door, to the best of our knowledge. And the Zodiac also cut off a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt to mail in with letters, and took Paul Stein's keys and wallet. Only taking the trophies one time. Only wearing the hooded costume one time. Only writing a message on the car door one time. What are all these differences. And as I said very clearly in the past, I talked about how there could have been multiple killers, but um, I'll just read the Stakhanovas comment. Whoa, everyone, please stop yourselves from going down these rabbit holes of multiple perpetrators or hoaxers or letter writers who weren't the murderer, etc. Occam's razor isn't a letter opener. The more complicated you make your theory, the more you are overlooking the core evidence of the case. Number one, we know the killer called the police, and we know the language that he used. Number two, we know the letter writer provided details only the killer would know, along with physical evidence. Number three, we know the killer wrote on the car door at Lake Berryessa in a handwriting style that matched the letters that were sent. We therefore must conclude that the perpetrator of the shootings and stabbing and letter writing are one and the same and a single individual. This is consistent with the psychological profile. Arriving at any other theory requires leaps in logic that the evidence just does not support and quite frankly refutes. This has gone on for over 50 years. The odds of multiple perpetrators and multiple people knowing the truth and it not being revealed in that amount of time also points to a single perpetrator. When has any long unsolved serial murder case resulted in the revelation that it was multiple perpetrators working as a team? that law enforcement believed it to be just a single perpetrator. Serial crimes involving a duo have specific signatures, leave specific evidence, and have very specific dynamics between the two offenders. So, I wanted to respond to this one because somebody is asking challenge questions. But I would, before I get to those questions at the end, uh, firstly, a thank you, the Stakanova, for um, this comment. Number one on that list was, we know the killer called the police and we know the language that he used. Ah, but did the killer say that he was the Zodiac? Even with the phone call that was made after the Lake Berryessa stabbing, the Zodiac killer debuted to the world on, on July 31st of 1969 
and didn't call himself the Zodiac then, but in the August 4th, 1969 letter says, this is the Zodiac speaking. Now, where is that type of language present in the uh, phone call after the Lake Berryessa stabbing? Or, and also, um, where is um, the announcement at all that he was the Zodiac to Brian Hartnell, who survived the Lake Berryessa stabbing? Number two, we know the letter writer provided details only the killer would know, along with the physical evidence. Oh, well, if that's the case, then why did the Zodiac killer write in the first letter that Darlene Farron was murdered on the 4th of July and she was wearing patterned slacks? When she wasn't wearing patterned slacks, she was wearing a slack dress. And that is not the same because that is, well, as I, as I said, it's a dress with pant legs, but she would have been sitting down in a, in a car, mind you, and it was at nighttime. The Zodiac had a flashlight, but would he even have able to see whether she was wearing pants or a dress? Or was that someone who got the info from a police report that says the girl was wearing a slack dress and the Zodiac might not have known what that was, or the person who wrote the letter might not have known what that was, and they interpret it as dress slacks, but that isn't even a correct statement, possibly, possibly, or maybe. I mean, I, I, you see, this is why like I don't do well in debates, because I'm always giving credit to the other person. Maybe the Zodiac did think that she was wearing patterned slacks. Who knows? Number three, we know the killer wrote on the car door in a handwriting style that matched the letters that were sent. Well, yes, but if someone is um, writing the Zodiac symbol on the car door, they that, that handwriting was published in the paper, and someone would have had the ability to practice. And I know that that's making an assumption, but I think the absolute biggest version of the multiple killers theory is that one person did the shootings, and one person was the Lake Berryessa stabber. And that is not simply just a possibility. The witness descriptions describe someone who's around five foot eight at Blue Rock Springs, and the Stein murder. There were no witnesses to the Lake Berry Lake Herman Road shooter, Lake Herman Road uh, murderer, but. The Blue Rock Springs perpetrator and the Stein perpetrator are estimated to have been 5 feet 8 inches tall, maybe 5 foot 10 according to Don Falk, yet the Lake Berryessa stabber was estimated to have been 6 feet tall and weighing 200 to 225 pounds. How on earth could somebody be 5 foot 8 and 6 feet tall? I mean, I'm 5 foot 8 and I'd never get mistaken for being 6 feet tall, so that's what something that people simply think that there could have been someone who was a different person who committed the Lake Berryessa stabbing. And even Mike Rodelli has talked about this in his book, saying that, well, the Lake Berryessa stabber could have been the letter writer, and that was the only crime that the letter writer committed, and it was a team of two guys who perhaps had some type of very um, fantasyful idea, and then they decided to put it out into action and um, to turn this... Um, this horrific idea that might have been a good subject for a book or a novel or a movie or a stage play, and they decided to act it out because of their own deranged fantasy turning into reality, and that's why there was a team involved. Or Lake Berryessa could have indeed been a copycat, someone who wanted to try and blame a murder on this Zodiac who had com confessed to committing the Blue Rock Springs shooting, and bear in mind that, as I said already, 
this info would have all been in the newspapers. The Zodiac symbol would have been published in the Vallejo Times Herald after the August 4th letter, so anybody who had read that newspaper would have had access to it. But the true um, challenge question at, at the end was, when has any long unsolved serial murder case resulted in a revelation that it was multiple perpetrators working as a team and law enforcement believed it to be a single perpetrator? This isn't the best example, but I will try to answer your question. How about Jack the Ripper? In 1931, the journalist Frederick Best confessed to have fabricated two of the Jack the Ripper communications, the Dear Boss letter and the Saucy Jackie postcard. He did not confess to fabricating the From Hell letter, and there are all types of theories out there that Okay, there was a real serial killer, and then the journalist just learned about it, and then wrote the two letters, and someone wrote the third letter, or that there were multiple killers, and this was all a hoax that was orchestrated by the, the, the newspaper called The Star, which Frederick Best worked with. But I just wanted to point out that somebody confessed to only writing two of the letters, not any more than that, and then... It turns out that that person might not have had anything to do with the killings at all, and that these could all be unconnected murders. So there are revelations that come forward, and I want to be 100% crystal clear. Yes, there is something called the Frederick Best Confession in the Jack the Ripper case, but, I mean, it's just his word against all the other people who disagree with him. It really is quite difficult to substantiate that he actually wrote the, the letters, because as, as far as I understand, um, it was impossible to extract any type of DNA from the Jack the Ripper communications based on how old they were, and the Dear Boss letter, which Frederick Best claimed to have fabricated, was um, stolen from the police archives, or it disappeared, and then it resurfaced back in 1988 for the 100-year anniversary. So the whole point is that there are examples when someone can be involved with part of the mystery, but not the full mystery. And to be clear again, Frederick Best does not admit to writing the From Hell letter, which has different handwriting. And could that mean that there is there are four or five different killers involved with Jack the Ripper? Um, you be the judge, and I have numerous episodes on the Ripper. So that Serial killers involving a duo have specific signatures and leave specific evidence and have very specific dynamics between the two offenders. I think that, um, believe it or not, I'm actually going to agree with this because I'm just sharing what I genuinely think and I don't want to go down some type of devil's advocate rabbit hole. But no, it's a very good point. Um, when there are two people involved... I think that because a lot of the serial killers that we've learned about recently are um, well-documented, we have lots of media of them, Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, the Boneyard Killers, for example, we can understand how they operated, because for starters, Charles Ng um, went on to serve an enormous amount of time on death row, even complaining about the food quality there and saying that he should be let out. Lovely guy. But um, Leonard Lake one of the other Boneyard killers, is a suspect in the Zodiac Killer mystery, not to switch gears too much. He is a suspect for the Lake Berryessa stabbing, only a single crime, and that he would have been the suspect in that case, but not the other crimes. But I don't think I've heard too much recently about that. And I just wanted to um, read this comment off because 
to give credit to the Stakanova, I thought that it was very well worded, and it's very convincing, believe it or not. But I'm always going to try and respond to somebody's challenge question if I have something genuine to say. And most of that was not devil's advocate. Those are the real reasons why people think that more than one person was involved with the Zodiac Killer crimes. Now, it doesn't mean we know 100%, but as I said, the biggest version of the multiple killers theory is that there was just one person did the shootings, and one person was the Lake Berryessa stabber. Now, was that person a copycat or an active participant? I think that has yet to be seen, or definitely yet to have been certified. It's an unsolved case, but everybody can weigh in in the comment section down below. What do you think about any of those challenge questions? And the biggest one is, does the evidence suggest that there was a single perpetrator, or does it suggest that there were multiple perpetrators? And no matter what, though, I have always maintained that just because the crimes are different, it does not mean that there was more than one killer. People can commit crimes in different ways. And now, I would like to give a shout-out to Kelly Gable, who has been following a lot of the Black Box Online radio material for a while. And Kelly Gable believes that the Zodiac Killer was Robert Ivan Nichols, and he has released several videos on his channel, Wildfire99, podcast recordings, actually, talking about the possibility of Nichols committing not only the Zodiac crimes, but also some other crimes. And I was listening to one of Kelly's recordings, and he talked about a crime that I had not heard of before, and that was the stabbing of Isabel Watson on April 7th of 1972. And I would like to go over to something that was written on ZodiacKiller.net. Big shout out to Morph. And it says, Isabel Watson was stabbed on Pine Hill Road in Merritt County by an assailant seemingly fitting the Zodiac Killer's description to a T, despite no sketches composites appearing in the papers. Fortunately, she survived the attack on April 7th, 1972. She doesn't appear as a possible victim in Robert Graysmith's book, but presumably should, along with the other survivors like Hartnell Majot and Kathleen Johns. The San Francisco Chronicle article from April 13th of 1972 is the most comprehensive, and it was called Zodiac-like Knife Attack. When I was listening to um, Kelly's channel, Wildfire99, he talked about how, the, I believe, Isabel Watson was offered a ride by some guy who at first seemed like he was being rather calm. However, he then just had a snapping fit of rage, and then he attacked her and stabbed her. And there is also a piece that has been written about this on ZodiacCiphers.com. Shout out to Richard Grinnell. And it says that the Zodiac opened the bus bomb letter with, this is the Zodiac speaking. Up until the end of October 1st, I have killed seven people. I've grown rather angry with the police for telling lies about me, so I shall change the way of collecting slaves. I shall no longer announce to anyone when I commit my murders. They shall look like routine robberies, killings of anger, and fake accidents. And a few fake accidents, excuse me. Since this proclamation on November 9th of 1969, the only tangible crimes that appear linked to the Zodiac Killer were the abduction of Kathleen Johns on March 22nd of 1970 and the disappearance of Donna Lass from the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino in State Line, Nevada on September 6th of 1970. 
The Zodiac Killer would lay out the claim to the Modesto abduction on July 24th of 1970, that's the Kathleen Johns incident, but little since. Did he cease his activity or did he become true to his words, concealing his crimes to appear like random attacks, altering his M.O. to confuse the police? And um, as far as this crime, the, the attack on Isabel Watson, it seems that... Um, it does bear some similarities to the Kathleen Johns incident, where some guy is coming over, offering to help, and just trying to get the woman to come into his car, but then she's refusing, and he, 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 he attempts to murder her. But Isabel Watson was age 33, and had just got off the bus on the evening of April 7th of 1972, and was walking home along Pine Hill Road in Tamalpais, Valley. Um, yeah, um, Kelly pointed out uh, in his recordings as well that, how on earth do you pronounce that? I would say Tamal Pais, it could be Tamal Pai Valley, Marin County at 9 p.m. When a light-colored vehicle veered towards her, knocking her to the ground, the driver exited his vehicle and offered to take her home, but after she had refused his offer of apparent help a second time, the concerned citizen suddenly became enraged, pulling out a knife and stabbed Isabel Watson in the neck and shoulder, her screams alerted the neighborhood, thus forcing the assailant to retreat hastily from the scene. She was treated at Marin General Hospital and fortunately survived the attack. Now, as far as the Zodiac Killer's behavior after the, after the Stein murder, my first instinct was that anything the Zodiac claimed but did not substantiate was a lie that the Zodiac is going to say that he's going to make his crimes look like routine robberies or attacks. I was like, no, he didn't. He just said that to confuse people. I mean, because in the previous times, he announced the crimes and provided evidence that he had done so. And the Kathleen Johns incident is, the, is something that the Zodiac would confess to months later. And I was like, no, he didn't. He's just, again, he's telling lies to confuse people, to make himself seem more more evil than he actually is. The Donna Lass card says nothing about Donna Lass, and I think that this is a very aggressive and confrontational attack, the, the uh, stabbing of Isabel Watson. It, it really is quite similar to the Kathleen Johns abduction, and the fact that he hit her with the car, though, is a bit of a difference, and that he hits Isabel Watson with the car, she falls down, and then he offers to help her, but then he tries to stab her, I don't really quite think that's the Zodiac Killer, in my opinion. In fact, there's a different uh, serial killer out there, the Stone Cold Killer, Arthur Bomar, who would do something similar to this. And he would um, drive along the highway at somewhat of a low speed, and he would tap the bumper of a woman's car if she were had been driving by herself. And then she would, they would pull over, oh, hey, I'm so sorry that I hit your car. And then, you know, once he got her out of the car, then he would have access to her to attack her. And I think that this is just some guy who is a deranged predator. But I've always said when I discuss the abduction of Donna Lass, the attempted abduction of Kathleen Johns, the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, and everything of the sort, that the Zodiac was too cowardly. He never once um, attacked the victims when they were able to fight back. And, I mean, even at Lake Berryessa, it wasn't in a neighborhood. When Cecilia Shepard is tied up and stabbed, she could scream, but she wouldn't have um, 
been surrounded by buildings and houses and people and the city lights, and that, according to the article that had been posted at ZodiacCiphers.com, that's exactly what happened. It alerted the neighborhood that killer got scared, attempted killer rather, and then took off and ran away, and Isabel Watson was able to survive. But one person who disagrees with me about this being a Zodiac crime is Kelly Gable, and says that his suspect, Robert Ivan Nichols, was um, not only the Zodiac, but the man who attacked Isabel Watson. And the reason is that Kelly shares a lot of this in his recordings, if you ever want to hear them, about how the Zodiac, if it indeed were Nichols, was leaving a set of clues that would reveal his identity, and specifically, it's the date of his birth, which would have been September uh, 12th of 1926. And the 1926 is very important because Kelly starts with the murder of Ray Davis in 1962, and firstly you switch 1926 uh, and 62, and then Ray Davis was a taxi driver who was murdered in Oceanside, California, and his body was dumped outside of a building that was number 1926. But even pointing out that Isabel Watson has three letters in Izzo and three letters in Bell Isabel. Oh, yeah, she spells her name I-S-O-B-E-L, mind you. So that's six letters in the first name. Watson also has six letters in the second name, so two sets of six. That's the 26. And she was attacked at a place called Pine Hill Road. There are four letters in Pine, four letters in Hill, and four letters in Road, so that totals up 12. And then you have um, the three sets four, but that, so that creates 12 letters, and again, we're looking for number 12 in the Zodiac's birthday, according to Kelly Gable, and even though I'm not the biggest believer in these number theories, a lot of Zodiac theorists have done this. They have shown how everything could be some type of numerical signature and mathematical signature, even. This goes all the way back to Gareth Penn in Time 17, and various people have used this type of thinking since then, I was actually impressed with all the possibilities and all the revelations that Kelly found about showing the combinations of uh, September 9th, 1926 in his um, recordings and how that ties to Robert Ivan Nichols, even though I'm not convinced 100% that this was a Zodiac crime or that Nichols was the Zodiac. And thank you, though, for, to Kelly for uploading this on the channel Wildfire99. And Launchpad 1 listeners are going to get a break, but people on YouTube can keep listening.